Good morning. Welcome. My name is Paul McVitie. I'm the lead pastor here at Chapel Hill Church. I'm glad that you are with us this morning. Chapel Hill, I'm not going to be handing out Bibles this morning. Everything you need in terms of Scripture is going to be on the screen. But let me just do this. If you do not have a Bible, or if you know someone that doesn't have a Bible, there are Bibles on that counter in the back corner. Just grab one and give it out or keep it or whatever you want to do with it. Um, We are going to get into the Word this morning, and I'll explain that more as we go. Um, This last song, Christ is Enough for Me, um, took me right back to last Sunday morning when we had David Pierce here speaking to us in the morning. Wasn't that an amazing message? That was an incredible reminder of this truth, and he made this very clear. Christ is enough for us. Christ is enough for me. Christianity, our cultural religion, is not enough for me. It's not enough for us. Christ is enough for us. And David reminded us last week that God calls us his friends. And this goes far, far beyond the rituals that we participate in. It goes far beyond methodology. It goes far beyond a strategy of any kind, a religion of any kind. This comes down to us and God Jesus himself told his disciples, he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And he invited us to be his friends if we will follow what he's put before us. If we will obey his commandments, he says, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. So then we go back to Easter and we look at the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that brought this to pass. We can now be friends with God. We can now be reunited with God. Our relationship can be restored with God because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so coming off of that, coming off of Easter, then where do we go? What do we do now? What do we do with this? And and now for the remainder of our study of the Sermon on the Mount, we're looking at what it means to live a resurrected life. Now that that relationship has been restored, now that we are reunited with God. What does this mean? What does it look like? What are we going to do? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And um, one more thing about David Pierce before we carry on. I want to broaden this out to all of our missionaries. Um, When we have them here and they're speaking to us and and they come with a message like David did. And and you got to understand, this is not just some canned message that David preaches wherever he goes. His message is pretty radical. But the one that he had for us last Sunday morning was the exact message that God gave him for us last Sunday morning. And he just opened himself up to that and said, God, how can I bless Chapel Hill Church? And that's what God gave him. And I really appreciate that about David and about his sons, Aaron and Ben and their ministry. Um, And by the way, um, tonight at Grace Church in Eden Prairie is their send-off show for No Longer Music. They handed out tickets for that. What a privilege that was to get free tickets to their show. Um, boy, be there tonight. It's, uh, this is a, a quality thing. Um, if you're uh, like a, a, a bluegrass or folk music fan, you're not going to like this show. Not at all. <laughs> this is some hard music that's designed to take to some hard places. And the show is pretty intense. It's pretty graphic. Um, but it is exactly what God has created through Steiger to reach into some very dark places. 
in this world. You need to see it if you haven't seen it. So please come and be a part of that show tonight. Um, I will be there. I'm there every time. And, and I know we've got a lot of people from here going. So um, come and join us tonight at 630 over at Grace. Um, the, the thing that I'm left with, having seen David again, and, and after all of the time that we get to spend with our missionaries when they're here visiting us, is this overwhelming sense of confidence. I absolutely firmly believe that we are backing the right people. That God is using them around the world in astounding ways. And so to have David here and just have again that, that, that dose of confidence of this is what we support This is what we're behind. Chapel Hill, that's a blessing. It's a great thing to get behind the people that we're behind, the people that God has brought us together with who are taking the message on behalf of the kingdom of God around the globe. So one thing that I want to remind you of is that uh, a couple of weeks ago you were given our, our outreach brochure, our global outreach brochure, and in it was this card right here. And this has to do with our faith promise for this coming fiscal year. And what we do, if you're not familiar with it, is we pledge our support to our missionaries so that they can know, so that we can confidently say to them, we've got you for this much for the coming year, and that they don't have to worry about that as they carry out what God's called them to do. If you have not filled out your faith promise card, please do that. There are more out on the slat board by the office if you don't have one. But make sure you take the time to fill that out and, and, and join in the support that we raise here as a church for our missionaries around the world. It is essential that we do this. Make sure you get that done as soon as you possibly can. All right, our verse for the day is Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It is up here on the screen. It is going to be up there on the screen for the whole time this morning. We are going to focus on one verse and one verse alone. And this is it. I want to spend all of our time soaking in this one verse, this one statement that Jesus made. And this was the statement he made. He said, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them For this is the law and the prophets. And here again is a shift, a dramatic shift in history. In the message that Jesus brought for thousands of years, God had spoken. God had spoken through his law. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you know just how much of the Bible is taken up with the law and the prophets. God spoke, he gave Moses the law that his people were to follow, and it was very detailed. There's a lot in there, and God kind of made it easy in a sense. He said, just do all these things, do them this way, and you'll be all right. And then when people were starting to slip away from that, God began to send his prophets, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah, to say, this is what God says. Get back to this. And so for thousands of years, there was the law and the prophets. There was a system. There was a religion in place. There were rules and regulations. There were guidelines that God's people would follow. And then Jesus comes into the picture. And he doesn't do away with any of that. He says that he came to fulfill that. And that's exactly what he did. He fulfilled the law. He was the one that the prophets spoke of. All of it came down to him. And he made this shift from ritual to relationship. 
He made this shift from following the guidelines to following Christ. It was this beautiful change in history. He made the move from methodology to love, to love in action. With words very much like the verse we're looking at where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And there is great, great significance to the fact that Jesus would say in one massive summary, in one short statement, this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. Boy, if you see that in the Bible, shouldn't we pay attention to that? If Jesus says all of this is right here, there's something we ought to know very, very well. And not just know. So that's why I want to spend time in just one verse this morning. Because this is incredibly significant. Jesus said, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. In your program um, is an insert that looks like this. Um, Go ahead and get that out in front of you right now. Um, Beyond just the the usual space to to create notes in here, there are two statements that I made on here. And it's going to help you follow along and sort of uh, keep notes on what I'm talking about this morning if you'd like to. Um, The first thing that it says on there after the title and the verse is we all want to be... Dot, dot, dot. And I'm going to talk about a variety of things that we all want to have happen to ourselves. And you can keep track of that there. But then as we go closer to the bottom, it says, so this is what I will do for others. Because we're going to turn this verse into something that we do. That's what it was intended for. That's why Jesus spoke it. And listen, we've known the golden rule since we were kids, right? Everybody knows the golden rule. If I interviewed all of you on your way into this room this morning and asked you, hey, what's the golden rule? I, I'm pretty certain that every single one of you would have been able to say, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It would be no problem. We know the golden rule, don't we? Of course we do. Matter of fact, every major religion in the world has their own version of the golden rule. They get it too. Interestingly enough, aside from what Jesus said... Every major religion in the world has a negative version of the golden rule. The way they state it is, the things that you would hate to have done to you, don't do that to other people. Jesus is the one who said, this isn't just about avoiding and not doing. This is about doing. He said, do also to them. Do these things. This is, this is a command. This is an active statement. Jesus says, do this. This is the law and prophets. Live this out. So this asks the question, how would I like others to treat me? And this involves us being very intentional about this. This involves us getting in people's face. And when we... we, I'm going to pick on you again, Ryan. I've done him before. It's because you sit right here. I don't pick on the youth because this is like a really unpredictable bunch. And who knows where it could go, right? So... So this is what it involves. We encounter people all the time. We encounter people every single day. We are face-to-face with people. This involves this mindset. I look somebody in the eye, and in my head, this is what's happening. Ryan, I am going to do to you now what I wish you would do to me. Can we start looking at people that way? 
I am going to do to you now what I wish you would do to me if I was in your shoes, if I were you. This is something that we have to be very intentional about. This is a mindset that we have to create. And that's why I want to spend so much time in this verse this morning. It requires us acknowledging the people that we encounter every single day. In our homes, in the schools we attend, at our workplaces, wherever we are in the, in the grocery store. It doesn't matter where we are. We're face-to-face with people, and this involves us acknowledging the fact that we are face-to-face with them. We all want to be something. I'm going to talk about those things. We all want to be loved. That's kind of the catch-all of what I'm going to talk about today. We all want to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. And we have to realize that about other people in our lives. And there are a few things that have triggered this train of thought for me. Um, As I've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount, there have been some other things that have happened in my life. And and these different encounters just have sort of flooded in. And and I just got stuck on this and and some of the things that I've been going through. And um, this is one of those things. Um, See if I can make it through this. This is a poem um, that was written by a nine-year-old boy. This is somebody that I know. This is a kid that I know. Uh, My sons are 10, so it's not them. Not this time. This is from a nine-year-old boy. And I've interacted with this kid and will continue to interact with him. But they were asked in school to write a poem. And they were given certain guidelines about what this poem is going to express. This is how he wrote his poem. I am the crazy guy who likes football. I wonder if people will make a new sport. I hear my brother screaming. I see my family on a Disney cruise. I want a baby sister. I am the crazy guy who likes football. I pretend that I am in the NFL. I feel like my brother does not like me that much. I touch my new dog's fur. I worry what college I'll go to. I cry that I don't have a dad like other people. I am the crazy guy who likes football. I understand that not not all people have homes. I say people should be equal. I dream that I have a dad. I try my best at sports and math and spelling. I hope there will be no more wars. I am the crazy guy who likes football. Okay, so what does it mean to look this kid in the eye and to think, I'm going to do to you what I wish you would do to me if I was you. What does it mean? What does it look like in real life? Because these kinds of scenarios are all around us. I was sitting in the chiropractor's office the other day, um, did something to my back about eight days ago, and have spent a lot of time in the chiropractor's office for the last little bit. And I was sitting in the lobby waiting for my turn to come in and get tortured on the table. And 
there was a woman that had come in and she was sitting there waiting as well. And the receptionist struck up a conversation with her. And the receptionist says to her, um, so your son must be almost done with school then. And the woman goes, yeah, he's got just a few more weeks and then he's done for the summer. And the receptionist goes, oh, that must make you so happy. She goes, nope, not at all. The receptionist says, why not? The woman with bitterness in her voice says, because now I have to pay twice as much for daycare. Listen, never assume that everybody around you knows that they are loved. We all want to be loved. That's obvious. Never assume that the people around you already know that they're loved. And that they're getting that all the time. Especially with kids. We've got to look our kids, the kids around us in the eye and just think, I'm going to do for you now what I would want you to do for me if I was in your shoes. We all want to be loved. We all want to be valued. This took me back a while to when I was in youth ministry here at this church. And um, one of the things that, that happened a lot when I was in youth ministry is it would come down to the evening when I had our, a youth event and that I was going to be leading and teaching at and all that kind of stuff. And I would, uh, just like I do on Sunday mornings, um, I, I get so nervous that I can't eat and, and so I just skip meals. Um, I'm not supposed to do that now that I'm a diabetic. Um, that's not good for me at all. Um, but I, I get nauseous before I do these things and so I would skip meals before youth event and after the youth event was over late at night i would hit the drive-through on the way home and that's when i would refill um because then i come down and then i'm super hungry um and so i do this and i'd be going through the drive-through and just doing my normal thing and i i for some reason maybe it was something that i was teaching on or whatever it was but for some reason at some point i was going through the drive-through at wendy's and And I just stopped and I looked up at the person that was serving me. And I said, thank you so much for working the late shift. Guys like me need you. Okay, that changed everything. I'm not sure I was even making eye contact before then. Suddenly the drive-thru, late night drive-thru workers at Wendy's couldn't wait for me to come. (laughs) They knew I was coming and this conversation blossomed they smiled, they lit up when I showed up, all because I valued them. I showed them just a little bit of, hey, I believe that you have value. Who in your life needs to know that they have value? Who is it for you? I start right here. Where are your kids right now? For a lot of you, your kids are being taken care of downstairs by people who have volunteered not to be here in the service so that they could take care of your kids and they could teach them and love on them and invest in their lives. Do they know that you value them? Start there. Let those people know that they're valued. Let your kids' teachers know that they're valued. Let your boss know that they're valued. Let your spouse know that they're valued. Acknowledge the effort that people put into making your life better. Last week there was a story that broke in Shakopee out near where we live about a 10-year-old girl named Mackenzie. 
And many of you will have seen this. Mackenzie has a genetic disorder called Soto syndrome. And what Soto syndrome means is that she grew at an accelerated rate. And so she's much taller than the other kids her age. And that's made it very, very difficult for her socially. Well, it was Mackenzie's 10th birthday coming up. And so her, her and her mom sent out invitations to those that Mackenzie wanted invited to her birthday party. And every one of them either never responded or said they, they couldn't come. Nobody was coming to Mackenzie's 10th birthday party. And so Mackenzie's mom got on Facebook and let everybody that she know knows know about the birthday party for her daughter Mackenzie. 300 people showed up at her birthday party. 300 people, including the mayor of Shakopee, the Shakopee Fire Department with a truck for kids to play on, a Vikings player, <laughs> Sam's Club donated all the supplies for the party, and a restaurant that we know in Shakopee called Mr. Pig Stuff catered the whole thing for free. Three hundred people thought, I am gonna do for you, Mackenzie, what I would like you to do for me if I was in your shoes. Three hundred people lived out. The golden rule. We all want to be valued. We also all want to be noticed, don't we? We want to be noticed. Um, there's a, <clears throat> a certain retail chain. Um, not, I'm not going to mention the name because somebody in this room works for another retail chain. Um, and if I don't mention that one, I can't mention this one by name. <laughs> This particular retail chain has these, this position called greeter. <laughs> and when you walk into their stores, there's a greeter there. <laughs> now, we all know that it's not the CEO of the company that's greeting people at the door, right? How many times do you just walk past the greeter? Without even looking the greeter in the eye. Without even acknowledging the greeter. Without even noticing the greeter. Started doing this with a, a greeter out in, at the store in Shakopee that we go to. And um, this one guy in particular. And very, very nervous, very uncomfortable. He would just stare ahead and kind of down. And just mutter greetings as people came in. But all it took was for me to just start acknowledging him, start noticing him, and I'd get his attention, and I'd say hello, and I'd say, I'd ask him how he was doing. And pretty soon, when I came in the store, there it was again. He'd see me, and his face would light up. Because somebody noticed him. Think about this with cashiers, with your barista, with whoever it is. Notice the people around you. We were in a big lot store in Bloomington yesterday. And um, as we came up to the, the register, um, just engaged, just noticed the cashier and engaged in conversation with him. And um, pretty soon there's this big, huge conversation happening. He's engaged with our boys. He's asking them what things they're interested in. He's talking to them about their soccer team and all this stuff. And he blessed us on the way out of big lots. Notice them. 
And this is where this simple principle is involved. Look them in the eye. And yes, I'm preaching to the mirror here. I so, so many times I'll pass through an encounter like that and walk out and realize I have no idea what that person looked like because I never even looked at them. Notice the people around you. We all want to be noticed. We all want to be included too. It's another thing that that we can do to demonstrate the golden rule. Um, Two weekends ago, I took my boys to this amazing event. It was called Arise with the Guys. It was over at Grace Church in Eden Prairie. And I heard about this event and I got all excited because um, last year through the year, one of my sons... um, just developed this fascination with this college football player. His name is Marcus Mariota, uh, quarterback of the Oregon Ducks, um, won the Heisman Trophy this past year. He's expected to go number one in the draft. Well, I expect him to go number one in the draft on Thursday in the NFL draft. Um, Amazing quarterback, amazing leader on his team. Well, I found out that this young man was coming to Eden Prairie. And I got very excited because uh, Tony Dungy was also on the list. And I love Tony Dungy. I have a lot of respect for him. Very famous NFL coach. Um, and he's now an analyst on Fox. And so during the NFL season on Sundays, you're going to see Tony Dungy. He's going to break down the game at halftime. And a very, very well-known character. Also a very well-known Christian man. Strong faith. Strong testimony. And so we got to this event. And I had heard about it. And, and, and got tickets. And we were all excited. And we showed up at this event. And, and it's over at Grace. And their auditorium holds 4,500 people. And it was totally sold out. Every seat was filled. It was a men's event. And you could bring boys as well. And so we did. I took my three. And and I couldn't wait for this. Because I really want my boys to hear what's important to celebrity athletes. Men of character and integrity. So I was very excited about this. And so we worked through the, the event. And Tony Dungy got up and was kind of hosting it. And so he talked and he invited Marcus Mariota out. And Marcus sat down and they did a little interview. And I just couldn't believe this young man's faith and how solid he was. And how clear he is on what's important to him. And I'm like, yes, I'm so happy that my boys get to hear this. And then Mariota's done and, and out comes Paul Molitor coach of the twins and he's got uh tory hunter with him and the two of them speak eloquently about their faith and suddenly for the first time in my life i'm a twins fan (laughs) (laughs) because these two guys talked about how much they want to impact this team from a position of faith and I was so excited that my boys got to witness this and they got to hear this. And, and my wife, uh, she, if you haven't noticed already, she's pretty amazing. Um, she, she comes, we were going somewhere else from there. So she's like, I'll just come, I'll sit in the lobby and wait till you guys are done. And so she did. She brought some stuff in to work on. And she sits down. We go in. Event starts. Big deal. We're having a, a riot. She is out in the lobby. And so my wife, being who she is, she goes... Well, let's find out a little more information about this event. And she, she goes and finds someone and asks, is there going to be an autograph time? Is there going to be a meet and greet? No, none of those things are going to happen. Well, why not? Well, because, you know, my son really wants to, uh, to meet Marcus and Mariota or something like that. And, and they go, well, uh, Mariota actually has to go. He's right in the middle of the whole draft thing. He's trying to impress NFL teams. He took the time to fly out to Minnesota to do this event. And so they go, so he's got a flight at 1130. So when he's done speaking, he needs to get out of here. 
So what does my wife do? She goes, I wonder what door he's going to come out. (laughs) And out she goes and she finds the door. And on his way rushing to the car that's going to whisk him off to the airport, she gets Marcus Mariota's autograph for my son. (laughs) So it just made the day even more awesome. And so we just, we went through this, this big event and it was such a great thing. And, and just celebrated the fact that my boys were there. But I missed an opportunity. Because very soon after the event, um, somebody else came to mind. And it was our next door neighbor, Pete. A young man who doesn't know the Lord. And would have benefited tremendously from being there. I should have invited Pete. I should have included him in what we were doing. And as the event carried on and progressed and all of these testimonies were heard and Tony Dungy got up there and he gave a salvation message to that auditorium, it became very, very clear to me that 99% of that room was all believers already. And we were pretty excited because we were going to have a great Christian event. And we missed the opportunity to include someone. My boys are thankfully much better at this than I am. (laughs) Um, They've gotten really good at including kids at their school. They start things. Two of them started throwing a baseball back and forth and inviting other kids that were there to join in. And now there's every day at recess, there's this huge baseball game going on. They get it. They're drawing kids in from... They even invited a girl to play baseball with them the other day, which was a pretty big deal. She's new in the neighborhood, and they were excited that she could be involved. And she's actually pretty good. So that helped. (laughs) We want to be included. We all want to be included. Um, I'm going to go through a a list of things here pretty pretty quickly. Um, But I I want us to, to wrestle with these things. And one of them is we, we all want to be encouraged. We all want to be encouraged. And there are opportunities around us all the time to encourage people. Um, I, want to, I want to give one concrete way to do this. Um, in your program is this little connection card. That's the tear-off sheet from the side of the program. One of the things that I don't often draw attention to is the fact that on the back is a list of things at the top of that that says, I'm interested in, and then it lists a bunch of things. Down at the bottom of that list, before it says other, is an option for receiving the prayer letter. Receiving the prayer letter. Now, it's funny that our speaker just touched on this in the 9 o'clock class this morning. The end goal of this is not just to get you praying for each other. I want that to happen more than it's ever happened before. We need to step up our prayer game at this church And pray for each other. We all have things we need prayed about. We all need to intercede on behalf of each other before God. And call him into situations. But if you're thinking about being on the prayer list. And getting the prayer requests that come every week. um, Or if you're already on the prayer list. And you are praying faithfully for all these requests. Can I ask you to take it one step further? Can I ask you to connect with somebody on that list? And either let them know that you're praying and that you're there to support them or offer to do something to help. Encourage. Encourage. Go the extra step and encourage. Uh, We all want to be encouraged. We all want to be freed. We all want to be set 
free. Um, we have had over the last six months or whatever it is here, we've had a couple people in this church that have stepped into the role of being mentors for people that are individuals that are going through uh, the program at Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. And have now stepped into someone's life and are meeting one-on-one with them and bring, just raising them up, encouraging them, befriending them, and letting them know that they're there. They're helping them be freed from the addiction that they're facing. And this around us all the time are opportunities to help people be free. I've mentioned before one of our former high schools who, who is now working with an organization called Source. And they're working in the Twin Cities to help free young women from sex trafficking here in the Twin Cities. A very real problem. Filled with people that need to be freed. Listen to this. Let me talk to you about people that need to be freed in the Twin Cities. In the Twin Cities, in this city that we live in, there are 161,000 Muslims. 161,000. There are 72,500 Buddhists. There are 41,500 Hindus. There are 30,000 Mormons. There are 20,000 witches. There are 13,500 Jehovah's Witnesses, and there are 10,000 homeless people in our city. People are longing to be free. We all want to be freed. We all want to be forgiven. Um, Let's create a healthy competition here at Chapel Hill Church. Let's see who in this church can be the quickest to forgive. We ought to be known as as the best at forgiveness. Is really, really good at forgiveness. Nobody, nobody would say, I just wish someone would hold a grudge against me. (laughs) We all want to be forgiven. We all want to be extended grace. Parents, start with your kids. Husbands and wives, start with each other. Learn to extend grace. Learn to extend grace. When we look at somebody else as, as we're developing this mindset that we have of other people when we encounter them, the, one of the things that we ought to be thinking when we look at someone else is they are a work in progress. Just like me. I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. Everybody around you is a work in progress. Start there and extend grace to your kids, to your spouse, to your siblings, to your friends, to your co-workers, to your fellow students, to, to retail workers, to, to our kids' friends, to teachers, to everybody that we encounter. Start with looking for the image of God in the people that he's created. And let that lead to patience growing in you and encouragement growing in you and on and on and on. Let it go. We all want to be forgiven. We all want to be extended grace. We all want to be offered hope. Let me just remind you of what our teenagers are doing this summer. I'm going to work at the, at the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation out in South Dakota. Uh, let me tell you just a little bit of something about that community. Um, the higher, that county in which they live has the highest poverty rate of any county in the United States. They live with an 80 to 90% unemployment rate. Alcoholism, drug abuse, violence, all major issues in the community where they're going to serve. Seven suicides since December. 
If you were a kid living on that reservation, how would you like to be treated? And teenagers, I would encourage you that as you go, you look those kids in the eye and you think to yourself, I'm going to now do for you what I wish you would do for me if I was in your shoes. All around us are people looking for hope and it's up to us to see it and respond to it. We all also want to be considered equals. Um, We were reminded recently through a story about an ESPN reporter and how nasty she was to an employee of a towing company that that rotten seed is possible in us. That human beings can do something that low as she talked down to this employee. It was all caught on video. She treated this employee like garbage. Absolute garbage. Folks, we need to consider ourselves as less important than the people that we encounter. They are more important. Anyone, no matter who they are, we're to consider them as more important than ourselves and treat them accordingly. You can't treat someone the way you want to be treated while you're looking down your nose at them. We need to humble ourselves. We all want to be considered equals. We all want to be understood. We want to be understood. Let me give you a context for this one as well. Here in the Twin Cities, we have the largest Hmong, Oromo, which is Ethiopian, Liberian, Karen, which is Burmese, Anuak, Ethiopian, and Sudanese, and Somali populations in the U.S., and the second largest Tibetan population in the U.S. Here in our city, again, we need to understand what it is like for them to move into a a new culture where everything is new and we need to take the time to understand and listen I've lived in foreign cultures where I had to learn the language and I had to learn the culture I know what it is to feel misunderstood all the time and it's hard it's very hard let's put the effort into understanding them not just writing them off not just listing them as immigrants in our minds but clearly putting an effort into understanding them we also all want to be warned Yeah, I acknowledge you. Hi, buddy. (laughs) We all want to be warned. When we see somebody who's engaged in destructive behavior, when we see somebody who's dealing with a drinking issue, with a drug issue, who's in an unhealthy relationship, who is being abused, who who is demonstrating excessive greed or selfishness, it's on us. It's on us to warn them. It's on us to step towards them and let them know that they're headed down a dangerous, destructive path. It's on us to do that. That's part of us extending God's love to others. We need to have the courage to confront that and not just let it happen. How can it be loving to let someone just carry on down a destructive path? It's not... We all want to be warned if we're headed for destruction. We all want to be heard. We all want to work on our listening skills, don't we? We need to be better listeners. Today you are going to encounter this very day somebody who wants you to listen to them. Who needs you to listen to them. You're going to encounter somebody who has a story to tell. And you have the opportunity to let them tell their story.
one of the things that you should crave hearing from the people in your life is the phrase, you're a good listener. Finally, we all want to be trusted. We all want to be trusted. I want to trust you. I want you to trust me. That means that I'm going to have to let you know somehow that I do trust you. We need to create trust in our relationships and with the people that we're closest to, they need to know that we trust them. Because we want to be trusted too. Figure out how to let them know that you trust them. So here's what I want to do to wrap this up is simply address this. What if? What if we don't? What if we don't live out the golden rule? What if we decide that we know it? Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, chapter 12. I taught my kids the golden rule. They know the golden rule. What if we just leave it there? What if we don't practice it? I have never considered the consequences of me not practicing this as much as I possibly can. So based on the things that we just talked about, here's what happens. Here's the what if. What if we don't practice it? Well, the unloved never know that they're loved. That's a possibility. Those who feel worthless, and believe me, there are a lot of people that feel worthless, never get to know how valuable they are. The invisible never get to feel noticed. They never get noticed. The outsiders never get included. The sorrowful never get encouraged. Those in bondage are never set free. Those who have made mistakes never get forgiven. Those beaten down and weary never experience grace. The hopeless never find hope. The lesser ones never get treated as equals. The misunderstood never get to be understood. Those walking down a dangerous path never get warned. The one with a story to tell never gets heard. And the one who longs to give is never trusted. Can we live with those consequences? No. We have in our possession, Chapel Hill, a very powerful tool. It's called the golden rule. And it was given to us by the one who lived it out perfectly with every minute of his life. We were given the golden rule by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Whose entire presence here on earth was driven by fulfilling this. With us being the target. He looked at us. God looked at us from heaven. And said, I am going to do to you. What I would want someone to do to me if I was in your position. And he sent his son Jesus Christ. To deliver us. To let us know that we're loved. To give us hope. 
to value us, to live out all of these things, to live out the golden rule every minute of his life. With every person that you meet today, with every person that you meet tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day, do whatever it takes to look them in the eye and have in your head, I am going to do for you now what I wish you would do for me. Folks, let's become doers of the golden rule, not just knowers and hearers, but doers. I'm going to invite the ushers if they'll come now and the worship team as well. And will you pray with me as they do? Father, first of all, I just want to thank you for the unspeakable gift of your son, Jesus Christ, more valuable than we can ever imagine. I want to thank you for how you looked at us, at your creation with love in your eyes and acted Thank you for that immense, immense love. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to model for us what it means to live out the golden rule. Thank you for making it so simple yet very difficult by summing up the law and the prophets, bringing it all down to this one statement that Jesus makes here in the Sermon on the Mount. And saying, do this, do this. God, help us to do this. Without the temptation to fall back and go, okay, well, this is going to be a good demonstration of my religious faithfulness if I just do this. Not out of that. Out of response to the love that you have poured out on us, the fact that you looked at us and said, I'm going to do this for you and Now you've called us to turn right back around and reciprocate. And you said, love me, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. All because you first loved us. Now help us to love. Help us to see the people around us in our lives. God, help me to see the people around me in my life as an opportunity to practice the golden rule. Help me to get over my fear, my insecurities, my selfishness. To not let these opportunities go by. God, teach us to be doers of the word. Teach us to be spokespersons for the golden rule. Thank you so much for your grace and your patience as we learn these things. So we listen to the words of Jesus. Thank you for your love and for your generosity towards us. We praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.